Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guest today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Kate Greensley. Kate, how you doing, Kate? I'm good. Thanks, Thomas. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So Craig Greenslade is a certified mindfulness coach who helps people live the lives they truly want by teaching them how to let go of unhelpful thinking patterns, self-sabotage, and past experience that are holding them back. Her approach utilizes a unique blend of mindfulness and meditation, transformative coaching techniques, and the latest neuroscience and positive psychology. Kate's life experience has motivated her to help others with the same struggles she has experienced. Now, through her personal work, she has changed careers at 40, alleviated tendonitis, moved to another country, changed her relationship with her father, and found her sister. Okay. She is currently working on a mindfulness-based program to support people through surgery and enjoys hosting mindfulness retreats in her hometown of Denia, in Spain. Okay, so right now you're in Spain, Kate. I'm in Spain, and actually it's quite cold at the moment, but it's beautiful and sunny, so yeah, it's absolutely just blissful. It's funny, hearing you say that, um, yeah, about doing retreats here, I mean, one of the reasons I moved to Spain is Uh to be, you know, just immersed in nature. You know, London is great and fun, and there's a lot going on, a lot to do, um, uh, and there's some great people there, but I don't know. I had this like a physical need to be near the mountains or near the sea. Um, I don't know. I just felt right to be here. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Plus it's, it's healthier, right? It's much more tranquil and it's healthier. I know London is just like New York city. It's busy. <laughs> it's a very, very busy city. <laughs> it is, yeah. I like, you can, t- you can, uh, the air quality is, you can just feel it, smell it. You know, it's completely different. Yes, indeed. So how long have you been in Spain? Three years. We moved here just (laughs) four months before the pandemic hit. So it was uh, an interesting time. (laughs) Not quite what what we had in mind, but actually it's really interesting. I think, you know, we can have these really, um, well, you know, we have when we have our dreams and we go on journeys and we, you know, we just when we travel, not necessarily emigrate, but um, we can have these fixed ideas of what we think an experience is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the things, I mean, I learned many things from this wild journey from the last three years, but one of them is really recognizing and being okay with that we are not in control of anything and really just letting the experience unfold in the way that it's going to unfold. You know, we can have an idea of, oh, this is really what we want from it. And, um, or maybe perhaps what we don't want in our life, but you know, you've really got to just take it how it, how it comes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so Kate, for those folks who are 
control freaks, right? Because a lot of A personality types, a lot of leaders kind of fit into this category. What would you say to these folks who are constantly struggle with control? Because with what you just said, it makes sense to let go, you know, and, and enjoy life. But sometimes it's just so hard to do that. So what would you say to like a, a person that's struggling with that? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it's something that a lot of people um, struggle with. I think the di- it, it's, it's useful to separate um, kind of having intentions and goals. You know, it's fine to have goals and intentions, things that we want to improve about ourselves, improve about our life, improve in our work, our business. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is not being so fixed on the outcome mm. because we might find that it goes a different way and actually it ends up being better than we could have imagined because we don't know everything and we don't know what other people are going to bring to uh, like collaborations or, you know, what your team is going to come up with. So it's, you know, to, to keep open-minded and flexible. I think, you know, that sort of word agile that everyone uses, you know, it's, it's, that's, that is it in practice, you know, being agile with, um, yeah, new information, creativity, and um, you know, new ways of thinking and, and doing, and and then who knows where it might lead you. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones. All things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T dot com. And schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. Yes, indeed. You know, I I agree with you 100%. So, Kate, let's uh, talk more about who is Kate Grinsley, right? Um, give us the two mini sp- spill uh, about you know your your childhood, your background, because um, I-, I like to learn more about the individual. I want to learn more about how you were as a child to this adult woman you are right now. <laughs> That's such a big question. <laughs> well, um, I I suppose it's okay. So I think actually since doing the work I do now, since Mm -hmm. becoming a mindfulness coach, I think that has been the start of my kind of personal exploration journey of who I am. Mm. And I think the more I do this work, I'm uncovering, you know, layers at a time, and then you go to another layer and another layer. And I guess, yeah, the more I discover about who I am, the more I realise how much we kind of just sail through life um, with with this sort of armor or these patterns that just kind of 
keep us, um, you know, working in society, you know, we're kind of doing our thing, but are we really truly being authentic mm. um, or, you know, who, I guess that, that, you know, lifelong question, who are we? And, and so when you say, oh, who are, you know, who were you as a child and who are you now? There's, there's that essence of, I think, you know, who, who I am. I'm always curious, asking questions. I guess that's why I'm a coach, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a no brainer, but, um, and I think I've always sort of wanted to be a coach in some way. So, yeah, I think being curious about the world, I was thinking the other day about how weird it is that we have this incredible thing called consciousness, you know, we are aware, yet we'll never know what it's like to be another person. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's sort of a curious world that we live in. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess that term living vicariously, vicariously through the next person it's uh it's very limited. <laughs> we tend to use the term often, but it's a very limited term because how much can you see through the next person's eye if you're not that person, right? And we all interpret life through our learned experiences and the things we've learned from the past. Yeah. Yeah, and it's particularly as a coach, you know, language, the language we use is mm-hmm crucial obviously it's really important and um and to um discover how vast um vastly different people use similar words is really interesting so you know which is always again it's just so curious about people's experiences of of certain things that can just be so so wildly different you know our reality of this conversation is to completely going to be t- so different yet we're having the same you know we're in the same conversation yes um, so yeah endlessly fascinated with that and i think one of the things here in spain which i love is that low light pollution so you can go out and stand by the mountain at night and see the stars really clearly and wow. for me that's like a really it's just such a sp- sort of such a direct quick way of like connecting to that sort of bigger picture, you know, getting a perspective, you know, we can get kind of really sort of gone off on tangent here, but (laughs) it just sort of came to my mind, um, get sort of bogged down with details of stuff all the time, you know, there's always just stuff going on. And um, yeah, so I think things like that is, is really useful and, and important to have that, that step back. Yeah, definitely. And I know, especially coming from London, and transitioning to Spain, there has been a huge a cultural shift in a sense, right? Not, not only environmental, but also also cultural, right? Because in in London, you was out there for a while. You was pretty much raised out there, right? And you transition um, your career at age 40, you know, from working in London, being out there, then all of a sudden decided to change careers why why why, why that's that, that sudden shift well so I ran my own company with my husband a video production company for about 10 years in London okay and you know for quite a long time it was fun and interesting and the different people we would meet is just really interesting I guess that's you know looking back at it the things that um, I found interesting about it really kind of matches with what I do now. It's just like meeting new people, finding out about them, 
Um, but I, at one point, I just, I don't know, it wasn't really, wasn't really kind of connecting with what I wanted. I w- didn't even know what I did want. I just sort of didn't want that anymore. It wasn't, it just, um, it wasn't fulfilling me in the way that it had done. Okay. Um, and a friend of mine at the time, just purely coincidental, said, do you want to do this course, this mindfulness course in Thailand? So I was like, yeah, all right. Didn't even know what mindfulness was. Literally hadn't even <laughs> heard of the name, the word. Um, so, but I did that and then did another one because it was just so um, illuminating, let's say. I really found it to be like a missing piece with, I guess, between therapy, which is great. You know, there's mm-hmm. no replacement for that. That's, you know, talking therapy is great, which I'd had quite a bit of therapy with different therapists. So I had, I, I would say, a good experience of that, which was good. Um, but also then coaching or being, you know, proactive in your kind of personal journey, like where you're heading. Mm-hmm. And I suppose mindfulness for me was that, piece that missing middle piece of like okay but what about right now Mm. you know it's the present moment which is where everything happens and where all change happens you know we can vision visualize the future and um you know as as we were talking about you know we can have goals and intentions for sure um but our experience of how we get there is always rooted in the present moment so whereas therapy can tend to be looking at the past and making peace with our past and understanding our past. So it was like, it was such a sort of illuminating experience. I was like, this, this is maybe the thing I'm kind of looking for. Um, so yeah, I did some training and then how was that? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So how was the Thailand experience? Because I, I know Thailand, it's a, it's a, it's a place that's actually on my bucket list. Cause um, I have not been there yet. I would like to go visit Thailand one day. How was your experience just being in Thailand, um, studying the mindfulness, you know, course and really taking in the culture? How was it for you? So a lot of the studying was done online in groups. Okay. Um, and then I went to Thailand for some of the training. Um, and it is a beautiful place. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just so different. I was living in London at the time, so it was just so different. Um, <laughs> and it, you can't help but be uh drawn into the the pace and I guess the spirituality of it all and it's obviously beautiful and you know you really feel like you are in this kind of bubble Mm -hmm. actually it was one of the things that I found quite difficult after I came back from that for about two weeks I was so grumpy I was just I was in such a bad mood because I'd been around all these incredible um sort of open-minded, curious, compassionate people that I was learning with and learning from in this sort of idyllic situation. And then I'd come back home and it, you know, home was great. You know, I loved home. I loved my husband, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't that. And I was like, how, how do I, how do I make that shift into sort of real life from that extraordinary experience? And so yeah, I was a real pain in the neck for like two weeks <laughs> while I tried to figure that out. And it took me a little while to uh, learn how to sort of integrate that sense, you know, that quality, that feeling um, 
and it takes yeah I think it takes time because obviously life if you, particularly if you're living in a city it's it's busy it's noisy there's stuff going on there's demands on you and so yeah. you have to find your own way of integrating this stuff otherwise it can so easily be lost you know it's like yeah then you know that 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 feeling that you know if anyone's ever been on a retreat that's watching this you know you come back from a, a retreat even like three days or something and after a few days after that you know that sense um that sort of peaceful spaciousness that you've cultivated on retreat suddenly starts to already disappear yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right you know it's i guess i guess the um the key thing is learning how to hold on to that feeling, right? Or or tapping back into that feeling to relive those experiences. So this way you're not totally flat when you when you do come home, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's a good point, actually, because it's you the more you try and hold on to that, the more it's it's just gonna be gone. You know, you can't hold on to it. It's like as you said, it's it's re uh reconnecting with what's kind of there and, and um create recreating uh those things within you yeah yes indeed so so um kate so you you took the course you became a mindfulness um, mindfulness coach why why did you decide to to want to work with other individuals right why did you decide to just focus on yourself right focus on um constantly prove constantly proving yourself and and go towards the selfish route instead of deciding to work with others well i'm sure lots of other coaches feel a similar way but when you've done work on yourself and you really feel a huge benefit and that real shift you know you can't it's you know it's something you have to do yourself to feel different about something or someone or yourself mm-hmm. all of the above um and when you really really sense that kind of um i guess the peace that that brings and or ex- an excitement and you know just feeling uh, like you can maybe cope with things better um you see things differently um, you know there's different opportunities and, um, you know, all of those things. I guess the first thing I was like, I can definitely help other people with this because I now feel what it's like to go through those changes. Okay. You know, there's one thing kind of intellectually, you know, we read a book and books and we learn about concepts and techniques and things, but there's just nothing nothing better than really feeling it yourself and and working with someone with that experience because it's such an authentic guidance it's it's just real it's based on yeah what you've really felt and you've had to go through those difficult moments you know that real discomfort um you know you mentioned at the beginning here about the relationship with my dad and um I would say that was like that was real like two years of hard work you know it was it was painful to let go of some things um but i knew that to re to keep revisiting that intention was definitely the way the only way forward 
um, and it had to happen. Um, and I guess when you're in it, then, you know, you're doing it. I think the anticipation of starting some of this stuff can be way more scary than... Yeah, that's the scary know. part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um, we, t- we tend to... We tend to get in our own way because we overthink things, right? And when you start to overthink things, um, that psychological aspects tend to take a toll on the physical, right? And then we are not only thinking in our head, but we feel it in our bodies. And all of a sudden, we're so scared that we become stagnated, you know? So um, I'm glad you did the work. I'm glad you went through all the experiences and you decided to help others and not just not just hold it on not not just hold it for yourself you know because it's almost like having a light and and going into a closet and just keeping that light to yourself instead of instead of doing that you stepped you stepped out and you decided to hold that light up nice and high and share it with the world and for that i give you kudos <laughs> i give you kudos <laughs> <laughs> well thank you um i mean there's so much joy from working with other people and I, I work in groups and, and one-to-one and it's interesting for me because so sort of, that sort of real kind of pre sort of conditioning um really makes me often think oh well, which one do I prefer which one should I just be sort of focusing on it's like they're both so different um and I don't have to choose I can do do both of these things and so you know with one-to-one you can uh, really go deep um, with 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 things they want to people want to change, mm-hmm. um, and the you know the the space for that is very different quality than than doing group work. But then having said that, you know, I'm in the middle of a course at the moment with a group, and we had the most credible conversation earlier this week, um, and everyone was fully present and very vulnerable and open and. Um, you know it can be I guess that still surprises me and I you know this is why I love just kind of doing that stuff because you never know where the conversation is going to go and you never know what someone is going to reveal and then that um, helps someone else to be vulnerable in that space and it's just yeah it's amazing it's very sort of humbling to be with that so Kate what types of people do you um, coach do you coach um, just women or executives what's your client avatar i mainly coach when it's one-to-one um it's mainly uh executives men and women tends to be more men at the moment but you know it often changes um so people that are under a lot of pressure they have a lot of responsibility they're usually kind of very senior um and essentially they sort of feel like, is this really it? <laughs> you know, they've kind of worked very hard to get where they've got, you know, where they are. And, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps they're just not enjoying it as much. And they, or they're not, they didn't, they're not getting out of it what they thought they might, you know, going back to my expectation, even yep. around a trip, you know, they think, oh, I'll feel like this when I do that. And it's mm-hmm. often not the case. So um, I work with people like that um they're curious people you know they want more um from their life and then with groups i you know anybody that wants to learn mindfulness tools for their own reasons you know a lot of people um 
now know that mindfulness helps with things like pain relief um, and anxiety and depression. So people people come on my course to do to do that. I mean, they they come away with so much more than that, but that's their kind of like this is why I want to learn these tools. Yes, indeed. So, Kate, do you find that expectations tend to um, provide more of a negative effect when it comes to people compared to a positive um, effect? Uh, do you mean in terms of like what they think they're going to get out of this work? Yeah, in terms of the outcome, right? In terms of the mindset, in terms of the end result, right? Because like, like you, you mentioned this twice, like oftentimes when we think about a, a specific outcome and we don't get to that uh, specific outcome of what we expected, we tend to like get down on ourselves, right? Um, so do you, do you think we should not really focus on the outcome and focus more on the journey and the work? And just, uh, and just, I guess, just like uh, gradually um, get to that point without really like thinking too much about the expectation, the expectation, the expectations. Because like, like, like I mentioned before, we tend to self-sabotage, right? So do you, in your work, do you find that when a person tends to expect a specific outcome, it usually provides them more of a harmful effect compared to a positive effect? I think honestly, when when people start a journey like this, <clears throat> it feels like they go through several stages of, <clears throat> I guess, exploration and discovery, mm -hmm. and um, it will often be the case that they'll they'll start with certain intentions. And therefore, they will have expectations around that, whether they sort of know it or not, they'll, or whether they're present to that or not, they'll, you know, we judge everything. It's just kind of that's what our brains do. So mm -hmm. there will be some there. But I think once, if someone really commits to the, the journey, like you said, it really is about that. And that's my job to sort of help them to connect with, be present to explore that journey each step of the way then I think it feels like their expectation, the, the initial expectations kind of dissolve anyway, because they're, they're kind of in something that they couldn't have imagined because until you do it, you don't know what that's going to feel like. So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> so, so, so I guess, I guess the, the, the initial expectation tends to transform while the person's going through the journey. Yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it, it, they can, they do transform. And, um, you know, we're never at the end of a journey, you know, I might come to the end of a, you know, I typically work with people for around six months or so, or maybe mm -hmm. more. So at the end of that time, um, they will continue their journey somehow on their own or whatever they do. Um and things, everything changes, you know, there's, there would, there would have been so many changes like micro and major changes in that time that it's almost doesn't matter what their original expectation was anyway. Mm, mm, okay. So, um, in terms of the, um, in terms of the type of coaching, right. Your style, right. Cause I know you mentioned you, you work with groups and also in person, so what's your style of coaching? I mean, are, are you more 
um, empathetic? Are you more of a nurturer? Or are you very practical in your approach? Um, so I'm quite sort of intuitive and um, I guess really depending on the person, okay. I will use um, perhaps more, more of a lean towards sort of the mindfulness, applied mindfulness meditative approach. Um, some people are better when they have more structure or then they're, they're more um, sort of leaning towards more the sort of coaching element. It, there's always a blend, but it's interesting. Some clients are different uh, in that way. So <clears throat> they'll always, they will be leading uh, what they need. You know, they'll be telling me, you know, implicitly, what what is working for them so we'll try mm. some things out so i guess that's what i mean by intuitive um and some sessions might be um holy mindfulness practice as in mm-hmm. holy i mean just in total um and then other sessions very sort of maybe more goal driven i mean if you're working with someone for many months then you can really use a lot of different um techniques and, and approaches there but essentially it's you know full presence, intuitive, compassionate work. Okay, okay. So, Kate, what drives you? Like, why do you continue to coach? What's the driven, like, the driven force behind everything you're doing right now? Mainly when you, when I, um, when I hear the impact this, this work has on my clients, Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's just awesome. <laughs> it really is. Uh, when you know that you've helped someone to get where they want to get to and change their life in some way, you know, it's not, I know that phrase is overused. It seems very uh, dramatic, you know, life-changing, but this stuff is life-changing. You know, if you change the way you think about things, your life will change. And um, so, yeah, that really drives me I think I definitely notice the difference between uh in my own practice mm-hmm. you know when I'm working more and I have uh yeah when I'm working with clients I think I'm kind of to myself as well you know it's almost like I'm getting out of uh you know the same stuff as I'm hopefully providing for my clients that's awesome right there so it's, it's a reciprocal relationship mm. I like that mm-hmm. So, um, Kate, are you currently working on any new projects, any any new books, any new program that you'd like to like to share with us? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you mentioned the mindfulness in surgery program. Um, I'm really excited about that. So, um, this for me came out of a personal experience of having surgery, two surgeries, one before I knew anything about mindfulness, and one mm-hmm. after, and they were so different, such different experiences that. Again, this was something that I knew I can I know I can help other people uh, with because having surgery is a very stressful experience. You know, it's a it's traumatic, um, and so I'm developing a specific program that people can use pre-surgery on their on the actual day of surgery and then post-surgery in their recovery to help help recovery. Um, so this is this helps with lowering anxiety, um, sort of 
banishing that sort of catastrophizing mindset that we can have um also just sort of lowering our pain um it really helps with hopefully reducing that recovery time mm. just there's so many amazing benefits you know and this is a lot of this is evidence-based this is not just kind of oh i think this might work you know there's yeah. there's studies now that show this stuff does work and so yeah putting that together at the moment so that's awesome right yeah, that, that's that's very unique. You know, um, I, I'm a very um big advocate of of mindful of mindfulness in that um in that regard, right? Um, because when you think about certain things, whatever you think about, whatever you put your focus on, your energy is going to flow towards that direction, right? So you're you're spot on point. So is this how you're able to heal your tendonitis? Were you able to utilize this mindfulness practice to heal your tendonitis? Because I know I mentioned um, um, in the beginning that you were able to alleviate your tinnitus. Is this the same approach you utilized for that? Yeah, so tinnitus, yeah, it was... Oh, tinnitus, okay, okay. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it absolutely was. And I actually had TMJ, which mm. is um, another, it's often linked with tinnitus because it's, um, you know, everything's connected and it's really about tension in the muscles. So. Mm -hmm had a very painful jaw the jaw muscles they kind of almost seize up and spasm and very painful um and so I had that as well and I used several mindfulness techniques to alleviate the symptoms my tinnitus um yeah it's interesting because subsequently I've sort of learned studied some neuroscience and now I kind of know what I was doing intuitively many years mm. ago so it was okay. quite interesting to sort of connect those two things now about how we chain we can really create new neural pathways so yeah i help people to to cope and manage their tinnitus better there's no cure at the moment so um while mine did go away you know that's not something uh, i can promise people you know it, it's but i can help them to experience it in a completely different way so that it's not running their life you know that it's you know it can be very debilitating um and it just you know runs everything it's always at the forefront you know of your mind yeah. um and it can be you know people can really feel very hopeless with it because they think i that's it i've got it forever and they you know they they no longer can like you said they're focusing on it so much that that is becoming their world so we can switch that focus on other things, um, have some different mindsets and techniques that help to sort of soften that experience of something that is there, you know, to accept it. It might sound so kind of uh, counterintuitive, but when we accept it, uh, that, that we do have that ringing in our ears, um, we can notice that it kind of sets, just sort of starts to recede back a little bit. Got it, got it. So if someone were to inquire about your services or just want to connect with you, where can they go to find you, Kate? Well, at the moment, I'm doing um, an Instagram Live every day in February. So oh, wow. they can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm mindfulness underscore life underscore coach. I don't know why it's so complicated, but that's that. <laughs> um, so at 12 o'clock UK time and 1 o'clock, central european time every day i'm guiding a short meditation practice and mindfulness practice um so if anyone wants to see what it's like to practice mindfulness they can join me on instagram 
Um, I'm on LinkedIn here as Kate Greenslade and uh, my website is onlinemindfulnesscoach.com. Awesome. Kate, thank you for coming on to this episode of How May I Serve You? And I also like to thank all of our listeners and viewers for letting us their ears and their eyeballs. So before you leave, Kate, I have one last question for you. And that is, how may I serve you, Kate Greenslade? Wow, I wasn't expecting that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think, you know, by doing this, you already have. This has been a really enjoyable conversation. Um, And, yeah, I'm glad that we connected and I'm looking forward to continuing, yeah, this friendship. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. And I I definitely will make sure we we keep this alive, okay? Um, So, once again, this is your host, Thomas Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share it with somebody else that will benefit. And make sure to tune in for next week's episode. Take care, be blessed, and cheers. We're out.